Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Lucas. I'm the other pastor here. I'm still kind of new, so if we haven't met or gotten to know one another yet, uh, it's my hope that this year would be the time to do that. I'm looking forward to getting know, to know more of you and walking through life with more of you. Uh, it's good to be gathered together again to start a new year, and if you were here last week, we uh, started a new series, a short four-week series that we're going to do. Uh, we're calling it the Word of Life. Is that what we're calling it? The Book of Life? Um, and uh, the Book of Life it is. And uh, we're looking at Scripture, and we're kind of thinking through the Scripture as God's Word, His authority, and not just um, rules that we're to blindly follow, but rules uh, that uh, God's Word that enables life and that reorients us to what is true and the hope we have. And so, it's our hope that we would start the year off on a good foot by reflecting on his word. And uh, last week we looked at Psalm 1, which is a psalm of wisdom, and it introduces this idea of delighting in the law of the Lord. And today we're going to look at a portion of Psalm 119, and Psalm 119 is kind of like the full flowering of that idea of delighting in the law of the Lord. It's by far the longest psalm in the Bible. Uh, it has 22 stanzas for each of the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It's an acrostic poem, so each stanza, each stanza starts with the same Hebrew letter. It is 176 verses of delight in the law of the Lord. So I'm just going to read a portion of it for us today. Uh, so would you stand as we come to God's Word? Psalm 119, 33 through 48. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the paths of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my, ear to your my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules." I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame, for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, as we come now to your word, would you send your spirit to apply it to our hearts? We pray that we would leave differently today uh, because we have met you in your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, so today we're thinking about the idea of delighting in the law of the Lord. And I know we all kind of come from different backgrounds, but maybe some of you grew up in a church like I did and grew up around the Bible some. And if you're like me and you came across this psalm, it never really, I never really understood delighting in the law. Of, I could see like delighting in the love of the Lord or 
delighting in the mercy of the Lord or the beauty or the forgiveness or whatever, but I was always kind of perplexed when I would think about, like, why would there be the, this longest psalm in the whole Bible about delighting in God's law, his rules? Consider some of what the rest of Psalm 119 says about God's law. Uh, verse 14, he says, uh, the psalmist, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. Uh, verse 20, he says, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Uh, it's 62, verse 62, it says, at midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And my personal favorite, one, verse 131 I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. If you're like me, you might wonder, well, how could this be real? Could we ever delight in God's rules like this? And part of the reason we don't as much is because we live in a world that's very much shaped by God's rules already, and we take a lot of that for granted. Uh, for instance, uh, you may have rem remember in November of 2018, there was a news story about an American missionary who went to an island called North Sentinel Island. It's an island that, as far as we know, has been unreached by anyone in the modern era. This is an island where they are isolationist. It's in the Indian Ocean, and anyone who tries to visit is killed. And this American missionary was killed by a bow and arrow as he tried to approach the island. So this is a place where, as far as we know, there's never been a Bible. There's never been the word of the Lord. And it's actually owned, uh, governed by India, but they just let them do their own thing there. And so this murder of this American missionary, John Chow, was just left alone because the thinking is, well, they don't live in the same world as us. They don't live by the same rules as us. Okay, so things like welcoming outsiders, like if you enjoy rules like welcoming outsiders and guarding and saving human life and human rights and the idea of the strong caring for the weak, these ideas only come from the Bible. There is no like discerning these rules from anywhere else but the word of God itself. So if you like living in a world that values human life and uh, has human rights and protections for the weak, then you actually do delight in the law of the Lord. Uh, you do benefit from the law of the Lord because although it has not permeated fully, it has in places like America permeated our world. Uh, so this is a psalm, though, that implores us to delight in God's law more, to see its beauty and value more, to grow into people that can pray the words of this psalm. And so to do that, I want us to look at three things in this psalm. I want to look at the content of the law. I want to look at the freedom of the law. And finally, how to delight in the law of the Lord. So first of all, let's look at the content of the law. And some of you may know the word law in Hebrew is Torah. It can mean a few different things depending on how you use it. Uh, it can mean God's commandments. It sometimes refers to the whole of Scripture, in, in Psalm 119, our psalm, it primarily means the commandments, just God's rules and commandments that he lays down. And we talk a lot in the Bible. Maybe you have the Jesus Storybook Bible in your house, and if you re have read that with your kids, it, 
in the introduction, it talks about how a lot of people think the Bible is a book of rules, but primarily it's a story, and we love the story. It's the story of redemption, and that's what the Bible primarily is. It's the story of how God, who God is and how he enters into his world to save his people and to make the world right again, a world that's been broken by sin. But the, law, the Bible does contain many rules. And so the question for us is, well, what are the rules for? And to answer it, we kind of need to look at first, well, what are the rules not for? And what the Bible says over and over again and shows is that the rules are not the way in. The rules are not the way in with God. God's rules have never been the way to, like, get in to life with him. They've never been a way to earn anything with God at all. And this is the trouble we always get in, because it seems to make sense to us that, you know, if I feel like God's mad at me, then maybe I should, like, obey for a long time to get him on my side. Or this is the trouble the Pharisees got in. These religious leaders that Jesus always had conflict with is they viewed the law as a way in. They viewed the law as a way to measure themselves and be in. But if you consider the context of the law, it doesn't make sense at all to treat the law like that. Uh, For instance, uh, in the last few months, we looked at the life of Abraham. We looked at the gospel according to Abraham. And what we saw is that God began his work in our world by making a promise to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use your family to bless the whole world. And so he said, just come follow me. I'm going to lead you. And he did. And they became a big family. And that family, though, went into slavery in Egypt. And there was the exodus. And God rescued this people, Abraham's family, out of slavery miraculously. And he brought them out. And before he gave the rules, the commandments, he tells his people, Exodus chapter 20, he tells them first, first he rescues them, and then he says, you're to be my treasured possession. He says, you know, all the earth is mine, but you guys, you're my treasure. Then he says, you're there to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He's saying, I'm going to use you all to show the world what I'm like, like a priest does. A priest mediates the relationship between people and God. And he said, that's what you all are going to be. You're going to be a holy nation. You're going to show the world what I'm like. And he says, finally, I'm going to live among you in all my holiness. And in that context, he gives the law, which would be viewed by Israel at this time as a complete blessing. All right, Let's do the holy nation, royal priesthood, treasured possession. You're going to live with us. Show us how. And the law is how. It's how you live out the most amazing life a human being could ever imagine. True humanness, a life with God where you join him on his mission to reveal himself to the world. A while back, I think like 20 years back now, my dad, who is now retired, was working and, you know, had a long career and kind of went to bed at the same time every night and woke up at the same time every morning and started to notice, though, that he was feeling more tired as the days went on. And he said, I don't remember feeling like this. And he went to the doctor, and the doctor suggested a sleep study. Uh, You know, they hook you up to all these things and monitor your sleep, which revealed uh, that my dad had sleep apnea, which 
uh, means that your oxygen levels get low. You, you cut off your oxygen in your sleep, and then it, you wake up from the lack of oxygen, and then you fall back asleep, and so you never go into full REM sleep, and that's why he was tired all the time, and so uh, he got one of those sleep, uh, CPAP machines that many people sleep with now, uh, which gives you oxygen while you sleep, and lo and behold, he felt like he used to feel again. And it turns out that you were meant to have oxygen while you sleep. And, you know, like, sleep with the CPAP machine is a rule. Like, you need to do that. And the reason for it is because there's a certain way life is supposed to feel and a certain way life is supposed to go. And we were meant for a life with God where we become more and more like him and join him on his mission to reveal himself to the world. Uh, we also get an understanding, though, of what the content of the law is from the alternatives. And this psalm gives us a couple. In verse 36, he, he, he writes, Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Okay? Like the, antith and the antithesis of delighting in the law of God is pursuing selfish gain. And there's this deception of selfishness, right? Like we think, well, it's for me, that's good. It's gain, that seems good. Like, why wouldn't I pursue that? And yet the Bible tells us only the opposite approach is good. Listen to only what God says is right. Don't trust yourself to figure out what's right. And in verse 37, it talks about pursuing, instead of God's word, worthless things. What are worthless things? What are the worthless things that we pursue? It's talking about treasures that are vulnerable and fragile because they don't last. It's talking about pleasures that are fleeting and leave you needing more. If you're not committed to bringing your life into conformity with God's ways, then you'll be given over instead to life-taking, soul-sucking things. So the question for us, first of all, is what are those things for us today? What are the worthless things, what are the fleeting things that you're pursuing today that are crowding out the Word of God in your life? And in contrast to that, I want us to think about the freedom now of the law. Because the law seems restrictive, right? And it the psalm shows us it's not just today. Like, I, I kind of think, like, back then things were different, but now the law seems kind of restrictive, so it's harder today. But uh, this psalm in verse 39 talks about the reproach that the psalmist faces. In verse 42, it uh, talks about the taunts of those around him for obeying God's law. It's just not new. Like, uh, a life devoted to obeying God's law has never been cool. It's not cool today. It ne never has been. Uh, the Ned Flanders character on The Simpsons exists for a reason. It's always been this way because the law is restrictive. And you think, well, restriction? I don't like that. It's stupid. You know, you don't get to do what you want. Sometimes we can't see the reason behind the rules, so why would you follow that? Uh, and the kind of the classic illustration that explains this to us is the example of a fish. You know, think about the fish swimming along in the ocean, maybe hovering up near the surface, looking out at the sand, the beautiful beaches, and thinking, man, this water, it's restrictive. Look at that, those 
white sand beaches. I'm going to go up there. And what would happen if the fish did that? Uh, it would suffocate, right? Uh, because there's an exact set of restrictions that enable flourishing for a fish. And one of the main restrictions is always stay in water, okay? The law is like that. The law is a set of conditions laid down by your designer that enables the best path of flourishing. It won't allow you to down the kind of like self-focused, life-taking, soul-sucking paths that seem good to us, that seem like they're what we want. And instead, the law calls us into a life of service, a life of service to God, a life of service to others. And amazingly, the psalmist writes in verse 45, as I follow your laws, I will walk in wide places. Uh, there's an old episode of Seinfeld uh, where Kramer adopts a highway. He adopts a mile of the highway, and uh, he doesn't quite understand why people do that. And, you know, they try to get him to pay money. When you adopt a highway, you pay money to have it cleaned and stuff. That's kind of the idea. And he says, well, I'm not going to pay. I can clean the highway myself. And so he takes it upon himself to manage this mile of highway, and he decides uh, he's going to widen the lanes out, too. He's going to black out, like, you know, two of the lanes. And so it goes from a four-lane highway to a two-lane highway. And everyone he tells about is like, Kramer, that is the stupidest idea ever. And yet, in the episode, when people come up on his mile and the lanes widen out, they're all just like, this is nice, you know, driving like a two, like nice wide lane. And we feel that, right? Like, don't we feel, like, isn't it nice to just live with space. That's the kind of freedom the psalmist is talking about. You can live a life that is living in wide places. And I was in a seminary class a while ago where uh, we were talking about this idea of the freedom of the law, and our professor was asking us to give examples of where we've seen it, and there was a guy in my class who raised his hand, and he said he had been uh, involved in drugs before he became a Christian, and so he always had something on him in his car, in his pocket, and su such that whenever he saw a police officer, he would kind of go into this, like, mild state of panic. And he was always, like, you know, on the lookout for police, and when he saw them, he worried, and then he became a Christian, and he stopped having drugs on him. And he said he could remember the first time he saw a police officer, and he was just like, hmm, I don't have to panic anymore. And... And he noticed this pattern in his life where he went from always kind of being panicked to just like free because he was obeying the rules. Um, if you're attentive to God's law, you can live with that kind of assurance that you're in the right place. Like, isn't that what we're all longing for is just to like know when I lay down my head at night, I'm in the right place. I'm doing, I'm, I'm on the right track. And the freedom of the law is, it just tells you if you're on the right track. Like, it's not always crystal clear, but a lot of times it is. You know, like, think about the example of, should I cheat to get ahead? Well, there's consequences if you don't, right? Like, it could be worse for you if you don't cheat and you don't get ahead. But the answer to, should I cheat to get ahead, is always no. It's just clear like that. And you can embrace the negative consequences and just know for sure you're in the right place. Uh, 
you know, what should we be doing? We should be reading God's Word. We should be meditating on God's Word to get to know Him. We should be looking out for the needs of others. We should be in community with other Christians and others. We should be looking to use our gifts for God's purposes. We should be seeking to grow in holiness and continually submit more of ourselves to God's will. Uh, We should be looking out for sin and turning from it when we can. We should be looking at ourselves through the mirror of the Bible and seeking to bring our life more in conformity to it. That's what we call repentance. And what you need to see is all that stuff, all those rules, that's just like premium gas for a Ferrari. That's what it is. But if you've ever tried to obey, if you've ever tried to turn a new leaf or have a New Year's resolution or a Bible reading plan or whatever it is, you know that it's easier said than done, right? You can have the best of intentions and yet it's still hard. Sometimes obeying God seems to make life worse, which makes it even harder. So how do we delight in the law of God? And the message of this psalm is that God has to make it happen in you. This psalm is, like the section we read is a prayer for God to help make this happen. He says, God, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. God, lead me in the path of your commandments. And so, you know, a simple takeaway is like, pray that. Let's pray that together. God, help me to delight in your law because I don't currently. Show me. Lead me. And the good news is that you can, the psalm shows you can be in process. Since the law is not the way in, you can grow into this. Our starting point is we're already in. We're already his treasure. So we can grow. And another thing that the psalmist mentions uh, earlier in this, or later in the psalm, rather, is that sometimes God uses affliction to help us grow. He actually writes, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now I keep your word. In verse 71, he says, it's good that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. So another way we can grow is that we can kind of expect to just learn the hard way. We can expect to just learn, like, by not obeying God's law and finding out that it's not life-giving. And while you wait to delight, while you wait to feel like doing God's word, you can actually just do it anyway. Uh, In Colossians 3, Paul writes, put on compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. And that's a good, you know, metaphor. Like, think of it like putting on a shirt. You can just try on a shirt, right, to see how it fits. And saying, try that with God's law. Just because you don't feel it, just try it anyway. You'll never delight in God's word unless you, you know, start reading it when you don't feel like it. Like, you're not going to just, like, delight in it all one day and then begin to read. And the same could be said for prayer. The same could be said for generosity. Uh, The same could be said for loving your neighbor. Sometimes we need to try it on and grow into it. You know, it's kind of like exercise, physical exercise. And something I've heard from some of you even, I haven't experienced this myself, so I can't confirm it, is that you can actually grow to love exercise. You know, and you start out, like, where I'm at with it is, like, you know, I kind of don't like the negative consequences from not exercising, and that kind of motivates me, but you can grow into actually loving, like, running or something, you know? And, uh, you know, it starts out like pain, though. 
and you kind of have to grow, and like no one goes to the gym and just like does the full workout the first day and feels like really great the next day. You have to grow into it. Sometimes it can hurt. And the beauty of the law is that it's not the way in. You can grow into it. You can grow to love it. Um, so like exercise, sometimes it feels like death. Keep going. Think about the fish. But the Bible contains more than rules, like we were saying. It contains the revelation of the one that all the rules are based on, the one who perfectly embodies the rules. It reveals that the lawgiver is a God of steadfast love. He's a God who comes as a Savior. You know, like, think of some of the rules. One of the rules... One of the qualities that are supposed to develop in Christians are the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Why are these the rules? Because they're exactly what God is like toward lawbreakers like us. You know, the Bible reveals that God comes as a Savior, and we've been focusing in Advent about how God became a man. And we talked about how he grew up in this world, our world. He suffered in our world, and he did delight in the law of the Lord perfectly. Like Psalm 119 is something that Jesus could pray. He could say, I delight in your word, God. I pant for it. But as as Jesus poured over the words of Scripture, it did not reveal a wide path for him. Because at some point, Jesus came across Isaiah 53. And it talked about one who would be pierced for our transgressions and one whom the Lord would crush. And he came to know that that was him. That it was the will of the Lord to crush him. And amazingly, he kept obeying. He was crushed for us. And that's why when we pour over the words of Scripture, it's only life to us. When we limit ourselves to God's ways and forsake our own ways, there is only life. There are only wide places for us. Even in suffering as we obey, there's life and joy and peace because we're becoming like the one we were made for. We're we're becoming like the one with whom we will spend all of eternity. Uh, Let me close in praying that that would happen a little more in us today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do confess that we don't delight in your word nearly as much as we should, and uh, we pray that we would taste of some of the delight even today. Uh, I pray like the psalmist that you would teach us, that you would lead us, that you would uh, change our hearts and make us more like you, make us more into the people we were meant to be. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.